and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 55 of Defenders of the Bank. I am your loud and rambunctious, shooey, consuming, black and gold jersey wearing, LAFC touting loud and proud host with the toast, Christian Philly Philemon. With me as always is... What is good, everybody? This is the scarf, sometimes sedentary, suddenly spry, savvy, and special, simple, sincere, scintillating, sensational, spruced up scarfs clad, the scarf. That's right. And we are so excited to bring you this episode. Of course, unfortunately, you may have read about it on the news. There was a massacre in downtown Los Angeles tonight. It was ugly. There were Smurfs strewn everywhere, all over the field. There was just, it was blue blood. It was awful. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm have to tell my grandkids about what I saw tonight. It, it was awful. And I was there. But Scarf, we're not alone, are we today? No, we have the man, the myth, the legend of the 3252 apple juice with us, everybody. Hey guys. Thanks for having me. Oh Sounds yeah. Good. We're glad you're here, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Today's episode, we are calling it Smurf Stew with a side of the left shoe. If you've been a fan of the show for a while, you will know how we break it down. Scarf usually starts it off with this day in LAFC history. Woo! Both of us give you, the listeners out there, news around the club. Scarf and I both deliver the match recap. And of course, we give you the wait. What? <laughs> Thanks, Apple Juice. Yeah. Moment of the podcast. Fitting right in. Black and blue is appropriate because how else are you going to blend in the bruises that we left on the Smurfs? We have a lot of stuff to talk about. The Smurfs walked in with black and blue, by the way. That's why I mentioned that. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. were our black home jerseys? What was up with that? I got to figure out what happened with that. We have an awful lot of wait what moments for the show, but Scarf. Yeah. This is a big week for our club. Huge week. It's rivalry week. That's what they tell us. The Battle of California was today. Yes. The Battle of Los Angeles will be on Sunday. Yes. What a week we have in store for us. Let's get crack a malack and scarf. What do we have on the history front? All right, so I'm really excited. When I was looking up things that happened on this day in LAFC history, of course, this happened August 21st, 2019, and I'm really excited because we didn't have anything August 21st. So next year, on this time, you're going to get to relive the carnage that happened at Bank of California Stadium. But we are recording this. It is already well past midnight, and we have started to record here. And we had some really cool things happening on the 22nd of August 2018. The LAFC Academy U13s win the CONCACAF Champions League title, the first international trophy in LAFC club history. That is pretty cool. We got our first bit of hardware courtesy of the U13s of the LAFC Academy. Of course, if you don't get to this episode on the 22nd, there's a little bit of more history going around. On the 23rd in 2016, it was the groundbreaking of Bank of California Stadium. Of course, all of the LAFC owners were there. LA Mayor Eric Garcetti was there. That's August 23rd back in 2016. And, of course, we will have to talk about it just in case. August 24th, 2018, it was the third and final battle for Los Angeles last year at Carson. A 1-1 tie. Zlatan scoring in the 15th minute. By the way, that was his 499th 
career goal. Carlos Vela reversing those numbers. Instead of 15, it was in the 51st minute. So it was the two going mano y mano. 1-1, Carson LAFC. But of course, we are expecting a very different result come this Sunday. And that has been this day in LAFC history. Don't forget, follow it on at this day in LAFC on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you, Scarf, our resident historian. Now we're going to get into the next segment of the show, News Around the Club. Scarf, we mentioned last week that Brian Rodriguez was called up to the Uruguayan national team for the friendly matches against Costa Rica on September the 6th and the matchup in St. Louis. Congrats on the MLS expansion. Yay, new team. More on that in just a few against the U.S. men's national team. But now, new signing Diego Palacios just gets called up to the Ecuadorian national team. He already has a cap. One in which he achieved October of 2018 as he featured in a matchup against Qatar. We have other players who have played for their national teams. Mark Anthony Kay. Walker Zimmerman. Tyler Miller, just to name a few, and don't be surprised if more players get the call. It is quite the honor to represent your national team, and it's a hell of an accomplishment to put on your pro resume scarf. Look, I have often said that if I ever got to be a professional athlete, whether it was for the Mets or for whatever team I would have ever played for, the biggest honor of my life would have been to be able to wear USA across my chest. When I was a swimmer, you know, I had dreams of swimming in the Olympics. Turns out I wasn't Michael Phelps and I wasn't even, you know, that good, but that's okay. I had a great time. I was a a butterfly champion for a couple of seasons. So that was fun for me, but it was something about seeing some of the swimmers that we swam against. Aaron Pearsall was one of them and seeing those Olympic rings tattooed on his arm and knowing that he got to put the red, white, and blue, the stars and stripes on his, I guess it wouldn't be his chest, right? It'd be a Speedo. Um, But either way, (laughs) it it was one of those honors that I always wish I could have had. And it's got to be, and and Walker Zimmerman talks about this. Tyler Miller talks about this too. It's got to be the biggest honor of anyone's professional career. And to be able to watch our boys in black and gold play for, whether it's Ecuador or Uruguay or USA or Canada for Mark Anthony Kay or We've had Steven Betashore. He played for Iran's national team. We've had so many great players. Obviously, Carlos Vela of Mexico. We're waiting on Diego Rossi to get that first call up, by the way. That's going to be interesting. Oh, he definitely deserves it. Yeah. Absolutely. You're I mean, absolutely right we'll talk about this. that today. Oh, my goodness. He had another great play today. It's just one of those things where to see our players play for their country, like you talked about on the last episode, Philly, playing against the best talent in the world will only make you better playing in Major League Soccer. Without a doubt. We said this about Rodriguez on the last show. Same will apply for Palacios. These guys are getting to play with the top talent level of their country. And they're going to get to feature against international caliber players. This will only help with the development of these boys. This is a good thing. Considering the fact that their paperwork has not gone through yet, it is nice to know these guys are going to get some burn against top talent. Scarf. You and I were shooting the breeze earlier in the day. Yes. You had mentioned something really interesting to me that was reported by the media in regards to Brian Rodriguez's performance on the pitch of the Performance Center. Why don't you tell our listeners what you heard? Look, I think we'll see this play itself out on the pitch. We were talking about this actually with Apple Juice before we started the episode tonight, that this game with Josh Perez's role was a little bit of a precursor of what we might see with Carlos Vela playing in the middle a little bit more. 
Apparently, Brian Rodriguez has just been absolutely killing it on the practice field right now with LAFC. He is a blur out there on the field. Again, a true winger. Kid is 20 years old, actually 19 years old, right? It can't even legally buy a drink, but he can kill it out there on the pitch. I can't wait to see what this young kid can bring. Apparently, he was up in Sunset Club today, by the way, during the game, so that was kind of neat that a couple people got to snap some pictures with Brian Rodriguez. Can't wait to see him out there on the pitch. We'll see what he can provide during this incredible stretch run that we've got going. Just eight games remaining in the season. And Applejuice, you had mentioned actually while we were sitting there talking before the match, when we looked up on the Jumbotron, we saw the five games remaining and, and you had kind of a kind of a somber thought. Oh, there. that made me so sad. Yeah. Knowing we're at this point in the season, it's coming to an end, but it's so glorious. <laughs> That's right. We only have five games left at home. Five games left at the bank. Obviously, kind of a big one happening on Sunday, but we'll get to that much later. No doubt. In other news, you may have heard that LAFC and the New Jersey Energy Drinks... Huge trade. ...had a cash exchange in the amount of $50,000. This information I came across from our friends at Angels on Parade. I was not aware. Scarf was not aware. Not at all. I don't even know if Apple Juice was aware. Were nope. you aware? Nope. That's he was not so, aware. No, I didn't, nobody. Who the heck would have known that such a thing existed? Yet another nuance of life in the MLS. LAFC paid 50K in cash to the New Jersey Energy Drinks as a result of their signing of Brian Rodriguez from Peñarol. Why, you ask? Here's how it went down. The money received by the Energy Drinks was GAM money. And if you recall from previous episodes, GAM stands for General Allocation Money. And we'll review what that is really quickly in case you missed the last episode. GAM, general allocation money, is money that is available to a club in addition to its salary budgets. Each MLS club receives an allotment of the GAM. GAM can be used to buy down a player's salary cap hit, including buying a salary charge below the designated player threshold of $480,625. Arbitrary number? It's a nice round number. Yes, I agree. This trade of cash gives LAFC the MLS rights to Brian Rodriguez. You're still probably scratching your noodle at this point and asking yourself, I still don't get what this has to do with the energy drinks. Apparently, in the MLS, there is a concept that exists called discovery rights. Now, I came across a great article on SB Nation. Yes, the same platform that hosts Angels on Parade, I found the following info on RSL Soapbox. And I quote, Discovery players are those whom a team may be interested in signing and are not yet under a contract with the MLS. To obtain rights to sign one of these players, a club must first place this player on their discovery list. A process really as simple as filing a claim to the league office. MLS teams may sign players on another team's discovery list. However, the team that currently has the player on their list must first be given the opportunity to make a genuine offer to the player or, as it happened recently, shall be paid $50,000 in general allocation money for the opportunity to sign the player, that is exactly what we did. Brian Rodriguez was on the Red Bulls discovery list. They simply put down that name on a list, filed it with the MLS, and earned a cool, hard $50,000 
in cash for having done so. Apparently, this is done. So no team completely dominates the markets and establishes some form of parity in the league. Interesting nuance that none of us had any idea existed. Thank you, Angels on Parade. Thank you, RSL Soapbox, for explaining this. Very, very interesting, Scarf. My favorite part about all of this, as Vince LaRosa mentioned on Twitter, is that these lists are not public. You can't go anywhere and Google search. Oh, let me see who's on the Red Bulls discovery list. It could be five players. It could be 25 players. could be 150 players. We have no idea. These lists are not public. So what I have decided to do, Philly, you know I've run soccer leagues for the last 20 years. I have gone back through our databases and I have found all of my kids that are 15 and younger. I've put them on a discovery list with the MLS. So if any of those earn kids some money, bro. $50,000, are you kidding? All they did was write his name down on a post-it and they got $50,000. Seems like an easy way to make an average salary. I'm telling you, if, I, if two of my kids in the 20 years that I've made it, if two of them come out next year and get to play in the MLS and someone wants to sign them, that's 100K. We're buying a new soundboard for defenders. It's going to be incredible. Ooh, I know somebody who might actually be uh, eligible for that. Nima Bari. Yeah, well, he's on a lot of discovery lists, I think, right now. He's not got national teams watching him. I mean, that kid's going to be incredible. I can't wait till he gets his first shot somewhere. But $50,000 because his name is on a post-it. No kidding. Writing a person's name on a post-it earns a team $50,000. Crap. I would have done that years ago if I'd known. Sounds anyway. like I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> right. Apple juice. You, me, and Scarf are in the wrong business. Right. I do love what I do, though. I like teaching. I'm okay with what I do, but I would prefer to just talk about sports for the rest of my life. And that's what you and I are doing, Scarf. That's with right. This. I, I do have. I do want to talk real quick, because I know you had mentioned any other news in the MLS. Ooh, you're really good at this. You've clearly been following what I've read. Right? I can't what wait to take a trip... To see, not the Golden Arches, but just the Arch. Beautiful Arch, St. Louis, our newest expansion franchise. I know that made Molly pretty happy. We, we messaged her oh, yeah. about that. Of course, she is it's unfortunately a Cardinals fan. If you guys ever want to watch somebody work out about 900 hours a day, by the way, follow at It's Molly Ray on Instagram. She's got an incredible fitness profile. She's also a big St. Louis Cardinals fan, so please feel free to hold that against her. Very excited, though. Look, I've had the pleasure of going to Bush Stadium to see a Cardinals-Mets game, and I got to sit probably about five rows from the field. The fans are super nice. When they found out I was from Los Angeles, but I was a Mets fan, most of the time that would give you grief and horror from the fans sitting around you. I they still were the nicest my head people. When you say this. Oh yeah, they were the nicest people. I mean, they bought me dinner and they showed me around the stadium. It was just one of the coolest things. I can't wait to travel back out to St. Louis to watch LAFC demolish somebody else on their home field. Congratulations to St. Louis. Again, I know Sacramento really wants a team. I know for some reason Charlotte, North Carolina really wants a team. Vegas, baby. Vegas. I can't. Look, I, I will go to Vegas to watch the USL team. I know the Fito Zelaya loan was only for one game from what we hear. Congratulations, St. Louis. That'll be our next stop on the bandwagon, of course, after Austin, Nashville, and Philly. Did you see, by the way, Miami? They signed... A player who is a massive name in the world of soccer, Edinson Cavani. Are you oh, kidding me? I, I, I bang my head on the coffee table. 
I couldn't believe it. There were so many other players that I thought would have gone there. But Mario Balotelli being one of them. Oh, Unbelievable that Cavani is going there. This is a massive thing for this league. If you don't know who Edison Cavani is, you go ahead on that giggle and you find out exactly who this man is. Massive signing. But regardless of a massive signing... We don't know where this team's going to play because apparently there's a lot of like toxicity where David Beckham wants to build a stadium. He can't catch a break when it no, comes to building he, he a clearly stadium. Can't. And you know what? Quite honestly, there's no reason why Inter-Miami needs to play in Fort Lauderdale. Inter-Fort Lauderdale sounds absolutely disgusting to me. Anyway, we're moving on from that. It doesn't matter. Hey, Philly, Let's, we played a soccer game today. We did, and that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to get into the match recap. There is history behind these two teams this season, Scarf. It seemed like only yesterday that the pillage in Smurf Village occurred. That was one of our best listened to episodes on our podcast. LAFC went up to San Jose and gargameled the hell out of the Smurfs. We shut them out 5-0 to nil with a hat trick by Carlos Vela. He scored in the 8th, the 45th plus 3rd, and the 66th. Steven Betashore punched in one in the 26th. Diego Rossi, another one, in the 68th. Now, that was a team that was trying to adapt to Matias Almeida's new system. Like any new systems, you're going to need a service pack installed. But this isn't software. It's professional football. Time is what this team needed. Since the pillage and Smurf Village occurred, the Quakes have found new life and honestly have become a very dangerous team. Thanks to our friend LAFC Punk and his most recent blog, we see that the Smurfs have gone 11, 5, and 5 since that matchup where they got annihilated 5 to nil. They haven't really been on the right end of the winning side, though, Scarf. In the past three matches they've played, they've managed an 0-1-2 record. Almeida, as we have said in plenty of our episodes, is the comeback kid for a number of teams now. This wasn't the only time we played this team this season, Scarf. We met them at the bank during the Open Cup match in which we won 3-1. The scoreline was not indicative of the actual match itself. San Jose was a completely different team, battling LAFC in a way that we hadn't previously seen. They were aggressive on defense, covering our boys in black and gold man-to-man. Scarf, your favorite Smurf, Vaco negative scored really quickly and really early on in the seventh minute. Boo! And his his boys played LAFC really well, and it took us nearly thirty minutes to find our footing in this matchup, and we tied with a Diego Rossi goal in the thirty fifth minute. That's how the half ended. In the sixtieth, Dio puts us ahead. Vela slams in the nail in the coffin in the eighty fifth minute. Again, the score wasn't indicative of San Jose. They came out strong. They came out aggressive, and they caught us snoozing. I'm not going to go into last season's history, but let's just say the Smurfs haven't had the best luck against us. We won our last match on the road against RSL. San Jose? Can't say they've been very lucky in the last three matches. We defend the bank yet again. No blemishes other than a tie that happened against Chicago. We are 10-0-1 at home. And Philly, we saw this with RSL just last game. We played them three times in the regular season, once at their place, once at home, and once in the Open Cup. And all three times, the black and gold were able to dispatch them. 
this game against San Jose, obviously marking, like you just mentioned, our third time playing them, once at home, once away, and once in the Open Cup. And I don't want to bury the lead, but it was awful for San Jose today at Bank of California Stadium. Two games, two regular MLS matches. The aggregate ends up 9-0. to We're going to talk about that, though. Now, let's get into the lineups. Keep in mind that today we are without Walker Zimmerman due to his red card Oof. in the past matchup against RSL. Mark Anthony Kay sitting on enough yellow cards to make Diego Chara smile. He's a liability. The question coming into Wednesdays is whether or not Bob would start certain players and who he would sit. With the Galaxy matchup looming just four days away, what would Bob do? Bob, of course, relies, to begin with, on that 4-3-3. That's right. In net, we have Tyler Miller. Yay! Steven Betashore. Well, he wasn't in net, but yay! <laughs> Tristan Blackman, Eddie Segura, Jordan Harvey. Jordan Harvey, what a renaissance player. Man, did he have a phenomenal game today. I love Jordan Harvey. Our midfield, Lee Wynn. Lee Wynn! Which we would have thought started based on Mark Anthony Kay's accumulation. Lee Wynn is a general in that midfield. I'm sure there is a big sense of calm that happens with the LAFC faithful and with Bob anytime Lee Wynn starts. We had Edward Atuesta, Latif Blessing, Scarf, the player I'm about to mention. Yes. And I have about 20 or 30 witnesses to this. Yes. I said that he would score in today's game. You did. You said. Josh Perez, baby. You said, watch, Josh is going to get one today. And and we both kind of looked at each other and said, hey, that would be great. That would totally help out our Name That Perez segment. So when it comes to starting lineups, Philly, one more time, Name That Perez. Josh Perez. Not only did he start, he had some pretty awesome highlights, which we will get into. Carlos Vela takes the center striker He's role, okay. which normally belongs to Dio. And, of course, Diego Rossi, another individual who might have padded his stats. The sub scarf. We welcome back. Oh. Pablo All the Cisniega. Yep. Dejan Djokovic, yeah. who earlier in the week we reported was going to the Las Vegas Lights. Again, unlike other international transfers, we have the ability to recall our players at any given time. Jakovic, this is his multiple time that he's gone from the lights back to LAFC. He comes back. But the one player we were excited about, masked as he is, Mr. Batman, Mohamed Elmanir. Elmo. Elmo. Thank you, Apple Juice. Not only did he put his mask on, not only did he warm up, not only was he in the substitute list, our man played. But we also had Danilo Silva, Mark Anthony Kay. Who's that other Perez, Scott? Adrian. Adrian Perez. And, of That's course, right. Adama Diamande. On our injury list, we have the ghost of Alejandro Guido. That's right. Javi Perez. And, look, Javi is out all season. I am going to use my co-host of Defenders of the Bank discretion and say that this is to be expected, and there is no reason to state this unless we are proven otherwise. Yeah. Javi, who was on the show as a guest, is out the rest of the season. When you hear our injury report, we will omit Javi. We love Javi, but you all know that Javi is out until proven otherwise. Scarf, yeah. let's get into San Jose's lineup. Well, who we got on their lineup? Yeah, right? unfortunately, not a great game between the pipes for Daniel Vega. He had a couple of balls that I know he feels he certainly should have stopped. We will get back into that in a little bit. 
We got Florian Youngworth. That was a fun name. It sounds like somebody out of like a romance novel from the 80s. Florian Youngworth. We That's had a Bride style, baby. That's right. We had Gorham Kashia. The I, granola bar captain of the squad. Yeah, Kashi. I get it. All right. We had Marcos Lopez, Nick Lima, Andres Rios, Anibal Godoy, Jackson Ewell, Danny Hoyson, Christian Espinoza, and as everybody knows, my least favorite player on San Jose, they had Vaco. Oh. One player I do want to mention, of course, in the 18, and we will talk about him as the episode wears on one of the great scorers in the history of the MLS. In fact, the greatest single goal scorer in the history of our league, 24 years in. And Chris Wondolowski has actually played 26 years in the MLS somehow. He's old, but he's got well over 150 goals in his career. He is an incredible player and a legend in the MLS sitting on their bench to start the game. I was a little surprised about that. And that rounds out the lineup. And Applejuice, something that we were talking about before the match, Philly had mentioned Vela not playing a wing role as much in this game rather than right up the middle. And you had mentioned this might be a little bit of a precursor of things to come. Correct. Yeah, no, that uh, attack looks so fluid. It, it almost looks like it's built into the game plan that the wingers are going to crash and swap and try to mix up the, the defense and find the lanes and oh my god it's beautiful oh it's we've talked about it before the offense that bob has running right now that's how we play our best defense it's the best offense in the league clearly look at our goal differential it's unbelievable absolutely awesome philly let's get right into it kickoff and just what six minutes in philly you had everybody in our section every time he would touch the ball getting anywhere near it. We have wanted this player to score. The redemption story was right there in the sixth minute. Josh Perez, and it was blocked. But it was, yeah, it was blocked for sure. But you could call it an assist because in that sixth minute, we struck hard, we struck fast. No mercy, sir. We Cobra kai the hell out of the San Jose Smurfquakes because of Josh Perez's attempt. I said this earlier in the matchup. I said it to Scarf. I said it to 20 other people. I expected Josh Perez to score. I thought I would have gotten lucky. I should have placed the wager on that moment in time. It didn't happen. However, you can sort of, in a way, credit him with the assist because off of the rebound, Diego Rossi punches in his 14th goal of the season. And just like that, right away, one to nothing, we go up on the Smurfquakes. But let's talk about how that materialized. It really occurred from an interception by Steven Betashore who chested that ball, ending up with Edward Atuesta. The passing proficiency was on point. That ball from Atuesta landed at the feet of Josh Perez. It was a beautiful shot. It didn't materialize. However, Rossi was there. Rossi was... You know, you could say preparation meets opportunity is the key ingredients for luck, whatever you want to call it. Rossi scores his 14th goal, and just like that, Scarf, just like that, Apple Juice, bang! We go up 1-0 to nil before we hit double digits in minutes. Yeah, Diego Rossi, just in case you're looking at the stat sheet, he is fourth in the MLS in goals. 14. 
We know who one, two, and three are. We've been talking about it for the last couple of episodes now. You have Carlos Vela sitting on a number that'll be a little bit higher by the end of this episode. You have Joseph Martinez, 21 goals on the season. You got the Lion down in Carson with 20. And then right there in fourth place, 14 goals on the season for Diego Rossi. I don't think people understand how lethal of a scorer Diego Rossi is. I think Fiorentina knows. Incre- I know, right? Incredible rebound. Not just the ability to put a rebound home, but the ability to corral the rebound in one touch and then slot it to the left of the goalkeeper. Absolutely incredible shot. Another great play by Diego Rossi. I'm going to be sad to see him go. Again, we both think, Philly, that when that January transfer window opens up after the season, that unfortunately Fiorentina will be there to snap him up. And, you know, one of the things that is weird for me, okay, as an American sports fan. America. Let's take the Lakers, for example. All right? Not the Knicks? No, we'll take the Lakers. (laughs) Let's say a player like, I don't know, Alex Caruso, right? He's a point guard, relatively underdeveloped, not a guy who had been on a lot of people's radar. Let's say Alex Caruso is having a great start to the season. Starting point guard, maybe. Maybe he's averaging 15 points, 7 assists. And people go, dude, this Alex Caruso kid, he can really play. Well, it's not like the Clippers or your Knicks or the Bulls or whomever can go to the Lakers in the middle of the season and say, you know what, I know you guys have a contract with him. That's all well and good. We want to pay you a boatload of money to now have him on our team during that same season in that year. This is weird to me. I want to root for Diego Rossi from the time we kick off our very first match until the end of that season and not have to worry about things like this. This makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. I get that it's part of the game. But for me, as an American sports fan, I'm telling you all out there because you all are listening to me get more and more and more excited about the MLS with each passing podcast. It's just weird to have a team be able to come up to your guys in the front office and go, but we have this truckload of cash that we'll just back up to Bank of California Stadium and dump it all over the field so the rest of the players can do snow angels and money. Can we have Diego Rossi, please? And our our front office, John Thornton, everybody else would go, yeah, no, that works. That's weird for me. I'm sorry. This is weird. But Rossi doesn't seem phased by any of this news. Oh. He will still come out and do his thing. He scored again today. Oh, he's incredible. You're absolutely right. I mean, between Carlos Vela, between Diego Rossi, and we're going to talk more about that later, there's 40 goals. After today's game, scored between these two players, 40. A lot more goals than some of the other clubs have scored in their entirety. We'll talk more about that later. As far as the rest of the match progresses, Tyler Miller looked really, really good. But one player that I will say stood out defensively in the first half and the second half, Jordan Harvey. He was everywhere. Here is an individual and a man who is up there in age and who has spent a career in the MLS Here's a guy who's basically pleading the case as to why he deserves to play another year. He was fantastic. He, in the eighth minute, Tyler Miller had a save. Shortly after that, he punched one out that was cleared by Jordan Harvey. And minutes after that, Harvey had another amazing tackle that led to a corner. As we progress through the match, we saw a lot of really good things. Carlos Vela obviously breaking ankles. 
him passing the ball to Diego Rossi not necessarily materializing to anything, but we start to get into a situation in the 25th minute, Scar. In the 25th minute, Apple Juice, where Lee Wynn had a shot towards the net. There was a handball. We're all screaming bloody murder. And thank you to VAR. They ended up reviewing that play, and we thought to ourselves at this point, could it be this VAR? Could it be Carlos Vela in the right place at the right time? Or Lee Wynn, rather. Could it be Carlos Vela hits a quarter century as far as goals are concerned this season? What happens? Look, here's the incredible thing that you guys need to understand about Carlos Vela and what he's doing this season. In breaking the, hearts and setting trends worldwide, baby. He is not only breaking hearts, but breaking records with seemingly every play that he makes at Bank of California Stadium. Think about this for a second. No player in the 24-year history of Major League Soccer had ever had more than 38 goals and assists combined. We were only three quarters of the way through the season, and Carlos Vela, at the end of this match, is sitting on 41. He could push it to 50, 55, maybe even 60 if he feels like it and gets hot. There are absolutely no signs of him slowing down No, at all. not at None. all. No player has done this in the history of the league. That would be like, I don't know, a player hitting 85 home runs in a season after Barry Bonds' steroid-tainted fake record of 73. Boo Balco. Barry Bonds. I mean, really, look, the record is 61, right? It's Maris. It's Root at 60. Those are the untainted, steroid-free records. But imagine somebody untainted and steroid-free hitting 75 when the last person had only done 61. We're talking about an accomplishment in the history of the MLS. This will go down so far and away as the greatest single season in the history of the MLS. But again, Philly, you and I have talked about it. Apple Juice, we mentioned it before the match. None of it will matter unless we bring home an MLS Cup at the end of the season. So we'll see what happens. But how good is Carlos Vela? Look, one of the titles that we were originally going to have for this episode was just simply, we have Carlos Vela and you don't. He's absolutely incredible. After the PK, Philly, Almeida lost his mind. Oh, without a doubt. Our buddy Adrian, who also serves as our photographer, who also is the husband of Sweet Home Amy, who happens to host Center Midchicks with my wife, the panda, and Scarf's girlfriend, Scarfette. There's footage of Almeida yelling at the ref saying, I'm going to catch you later. <laughs> I'm going to wait for you in I'm the gonna parking lot. I'm going to wait for lot. you in the parking lot. Yo, he pulled up some gangster-ish. It was unbelievable how a man with such unbelievable hair, such a nice suit, and such shiny shoes can go out there and actually argue with the ref to the point where he's threatening him in the parking lot. Security guard, Paul, he was there. We Paul met was Paul the man at today. the performance center. He pulled Almeida away. And you know what? That changed a lot of what happened in the match. We had a lot of wait what moments that we're going to bring to you after our match recap. That definitely and most certainly happens to be one of them. But with Almeida getting tossed out of the matchup, bye bye. Carlos Vela pulled out his Harlem Globetrotter moves, his F2 moves. He sliced and diced and made everything nice and punched in his 26th goal of the season. My, oh my, was that an unbelievable goal. Scarf, 
You and I looked at each other in awe. The twins, we looked at each other in awe. Panda and I looked at each other in awe. Wowza. We went up a lot to San Jose's little. When I designed the Golasso scarf, I couldn't even fathom that something like that kind of a goal was possible. I cannot, with my limited coordination abilities, on a video game joystick controller, push the amount of buttons and move the joystick in such a way so that in a video game, I can replicate what Carlos Vela did. There were Smurfs lying everywhere. (laughs) The goalie was down. Two defenders were down. Fans, all 12 of them that rode that bus down from San Jose, they were waving their flag the whole time. Even the flag stopped waving for a minute. Carlos Vela's grandchildren somehow have already heard about this goal in the annals of time. (laughs) This is one of those moments where I get to tell somebody, no, 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 I was there. I saw that happen with my own eyes. I saw the earth move. I saw the left foot of God become the entire body of God for that entire play. If you watch one of the highlight videos on YouTube, all the announcer does, and it wasn't Max Bredos because he would have put it much more eloquently. All the announcer does is vela, 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 over and over and over again because his brain just got set on repeat after having watched that goal. That was the single greatest goal I have ever seen live. We were holding each other, hugging each other. There were tears in the stands. We were throwing rice and beer and whatever else we could. It, it was just, it was unbelievable. I, I get to say I was there, Philly. You were there. Apple Juice was there. Now, Apple Juice, let me ask you a quick question here. Sure. You're in the 3252 sure. while this is yep. going on. Now, unfortunately, it happened in the South End goal. But what is it like when something like that happens in the 3252. Oh, pure bliss. The the whole crowd just lights up whenever Vela does his thing. Oh. We're we're so appreciative to have him on our side. I oh, could yeah. not imagine being against him, you know, <laughs> knowing the destruction that he causes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, and and by the way, I do have to mention this, Philly. We talked about it a little bit. We saw Adrian down there taking footage of the whole thing. The absolute knucklehead in the number 21 Murphy jersey that decided to challenge Matias Almeida to a Such fight. A schmuck. As he was leaving the field, you're going to, from your high perch there, about seven steps above where the coach is, you're going to say, oh, adios, buddy. And it, look, Almeida was upset, right? So you're going to go ahead and challenge the opposing coach to a fight. What a knucklehead. I'm sorry. I know we got to take care of our fans. But no, that your, your guy, seats need to be revoked. Yeah, pal. in that moment, that's just a knucklehead. That looks bad for all of us. Yeah, it was bad enough. Buddy. Look, Almeida class had a bad night. Almeida had a bad night. I'm sure in the press conference afterwards, he's going to maybe trash the refs, but he's also going to admit, I also maybe had a little bit of a bad night. His team was already down at that point. Was it 2 nothing? And then he got thrown out. And then Vela hits this incredible goal to go up 3 nothing. But come on, man. Be better than that. 3,252 people in that one section were better than that. 21,999 of us were better than that. But it takes one person to poop in the pool, and everybody has to get out. You, sir, pooped in our pool. And an Irishman, no less. Shame on you, lad. Absolutely shame on you. That's right. And it was interfaith night. You're probably a good Catholic boy. Come on, man. Get it right. I thought that was really cool for LAFC. They brought together people of all kinds of different religions and backgrounds. One of the 
places that was brought in tonight, Sinai Temple. I played for their softball team. I thought that was really cool. No, I'm not Jewish, but you know what? It's a great group of guys. I've played there for 17 years. I taught a lot of their kids when they were much younger in sports, and that's how I got involved with the team. Congrats to Sinai for being one of the organizations that were honored tonight. And by the way, I have to, one last thing, Philly, and then we'll get back to the recap because I've kind of gone off a little bit of tangent right now. Alina Baruf of the LAFC Foundation is a rock star. She was out there running around helping to get this whole thing coordinated. She does so much for the team. We got to get her a little bit of help out there. She is literally the only person running the foundation. They got a lot of members with the street team out there helping her and with everybody else. But it's one of those things. If you have a chance to stop by section 135 to the LAFC foundation table, Alina is awesome. Please just go up to Alina and say, Hey, I heard how awesome you are on defenders of the bank. When I was listening to their podcast on Google podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you can find podcasts on the Buzzsprout site. I heard about how awesome you are. Just want to say thanks for being part of the LAFC Foundation because she's awesome. And that was Tangents with the Scarf. All right. And speaking of those tangents, we end the first half up 3 to nil, And just like that, confidence is aplenty. Vibing through Bank of California Stadium. We start our second half. Lee Wynn breaking ankles. Tyler Miller making saves. Jordan Harvey making beautiful defensive stops. In the 55th minute, we had a very scary moment that happened to be saved by Tristan Blackman. Here's another player. Again, going back to the USL early on in the season, towards the end of last season, cut his teeth, and as a result of him cutting his teeth, he came back to be a better player. Harvey, a defensive animal today. And I will say this. Props to you, my man. You absolutely deserve the accolades that you've been having. You are fighting so hard this year. We are so very, very proud of you. And, and you know, Philly, we were up 3 nothing at this time, but it very easily could have been 3-2. We had a great play. You mentioned it before. Jordan Harvey saving a goal there early on in the first half. Could have been 1-1. You just mentioned Tristan Blackman. Tyler Miller, again, doing some Tyler Miller things on occasion. and Still gets the clean sheet, Scarfie. Absolutely. But Tristan Blackman made a goal-saving play there in the, what is that, 55th minute, I believe it was. Mm. What I love, though, is one other thing, too, right before that. Apple Juice, you mentioned it. Diego Rossi is not letting this Fiorentina talk get to him. In the 51st minute, one of our DPs, one of the highest-paid players in the MLS— He gave up a ball in the 51st, got on his horse, ran all the way back down the opposite side of the field for the takeaway, even though we're up 3-0. Diego Rossi is doing those small things that allow him to be seen as the complete player that I believe he can be. I was just so inspired by watching the club tonight. This was a game where we thought it was going to be tough. Philly, you mentioned how tough that Open Cup game was, even though we were up 3-1 and we won to me though Philly the best moment of the night was coming up a little bit later on in the 61st minute you mentioned that masked man he took a massive hit from the Carsonian lion his zygomatic arch fractured we saw him warming up on the pitch he had his mask on then we didn't realize that he was going to feature but Muhammad El Manir comes into the matchup for Jordan Harvey, and boy, was I screaming 
at the top of my lungs. Here's a guy six weeks prior, and it's unbelievable that it's been six weeks oh. since then. He comes back. Not only does he come back, but he comes back to a thunderous applause. Mohammed El Manir, welcome back, my man. Clearly, you're coming back at the right time. I somehow think, Scarf, yeah. that he's going to get his revenge on Zlatan in four short days. He's going to elbow him in the side of the head and fracture his zygomatic arch? I'm not going to be mad at it. I'm sure there are <laughs> going to be 22,000 fans at Bank of California Stadium and hundreds of thousands of fans at home watching Univision or YouTube TV, whatever the case may be, that aren't going to mind that either. Look, that's going to be an awfully tall ladder he's going to have to climb in order to get up there. Of course, Latan's a big dude. But here's what I will say. Not only was his play on the pitch fantastic today, he looked like he hadn't missed a step. But six weeks ago, his skull was broken. The lift that it must be for the rest of the black and gold. Again, why were they wearing white tonight? But the rest of the black and gold. To see their man come back into a match so short after a fractured zygomatic arch. That's got to be the most inspiring thing out of all of it. I love this guy, Muhammad Omanir. And you know, at the start of the season... I threw my hands up. I was frustrated. We traded Joao Moutinho, the number one overall pick in last year's MLS Super Draft, for a guy who just was on the team that allowed the most goals in the history of the MLS. We tra- who is this guy? It was suspect. Mohammed, I am shut up, my friend. Not just because you had the incredible one-on-five goal that you scored earlier, but the courage, the heart, the strength that you show to be out there with our boys in black and gold, or gray and white tonight. It's inspiring for all of us. Without a doubt. Plenty of more moments to talk about as far as the game is concerned. Mohamed Elmanir comes in for Jordan Harvey. Adama Diamande subs in for Diego Rossi. He made himself an impact. And eventually, Mark Anthony K came in for Latif Blessing. Right after Latif got a yellow for diving, I guess... Because they took Rossi out there earlier for Dio, I think Blessing felt like, all right, someone's got to dive tonight. And it, the referee was emphatic, right? It was a yellow right off the bat. And it must be because we didn't get a chance to watch it back on the replay. But we have a couple of players that would also double on that diving team that, that we like to talk about from time to time. So a little bit of a yellow there on a dive by Latif Blessing. One other thing I did want to mention, though, Philly, before we get to what is it, the 78th minute with Mark Anthony Kay having a great shot as he checked in. In the 70th, we talked about Chris Wondolowski, and so we got to see for at least the last 23 minutes of the game the MLS legend, Chris Wondolowski. I don't believe he had more than maybe five or six touches, and he had zero impact on the game, and that's far more of a testament to how well our back line played tonight. But it was cool to watch number eight get out there for the San Jose Earthquakes. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the guy's a legend, the all-time leading scorer in MLS history. A lot of you don't know that. And for those of you who do, it's definitely a treat. It's always nice seeing a legend play. You love the game. doesn't matter who the player is. It doesn't matter the team that he plays on. It's always nice to see talent that needs to be recognized. But the talent that I want to recognize, a player who I shouted out prior to the match beginning, yes, a you player did. who I felt was due for his opportunity to shine for LAFC in the 81st minute, 
Joshua Perez. Name that Perez. At one point, a much higher prospect than Christian Pulisic. Yes, it is very true. I am not spouting nonsense. It was true. Look it up. He scores his first MLS goal of his career. And boy, did he work hard all season for that goal scarf. There were so many games, so many occasions in which he had opportunities to shine. And for whatever reason, it didn't materialize. But finally, finally, three quarters of the way into the season, in the 81st minute, in our matchup against the San Jose Smurfquakes, Joshua Perez punches in his goal. Way to go, number 18. Josh Perez runs over to the corner after that goal. And what you saw wasn't just a goal celebration for his first MLS goal. And by the way, he became the 21st different LAFC player to score in a game. It was years, years of buildup leading to this point. He had crashed out of not just the MLS. He was playing fourth division soccer when John Thorrington and the front office staff gave him a chance. But you know what? It's one thing to be given a chance. It's another, like you mentioned, Philly, to make something of your chance, to work hard, to not rest on the fact that, okay, I'm back on an MLS roster. Let's see what happens. No, he has been working and working. And what I loved wasn't just his reaction. There was this visceral celebration. He was tugging at his jersey. You could just see all of that frustration go away. It was the rest of the team that was out there on the pitch with him. And we'll talk about another way that he got celebrated more after the game. But his teammates were so happy for him. Congratulations, Joshua Perez. What an incredible moment. Philly, you called it just two and a half hours before we're sitting there. And you said, I think Josh Perez is going to score tonight, guys. I'm sorry. He's going to score. And I was like, all right, dude, I hope you're right. I hope it happens. Let's make it happen. Everybody looked at me like I was one crazy mofo. But you know what? It happened. And I'm glad it did. I'm glad we were there to witness it. And we thought the onslaught was done. But it just so happened that later on, a few minutes after that, Adama Diamande punched in another one in the back of the net. But it (laughs) was not meant to be. And you know what? We could talk a lot about a lot. But the game ends 4 to nil. And it's such a good thing, Scarf. Yeah. Such a good thing, Apple Juice. That the San Jose Smurfquakes were wearing black and blue jerseys. Because as I mentioned earlier on in this podcast, it's the best thing that they could have done to camouflage the bruises that we left on them. Carlos Vela, the Gargamel of the Smurfquakes. He's their daddy. We absolutely decimated them. <laughs> the Smurfquakes have not had any luck against us. I don't want to jinx it. If we face them in the playoffs, still a dangerous team. But the Smurfquakes, in the aggregate, two MLS games this season, 9-0. to nil. Incorporate the U.S. Open Cup. Add another three to our number. Add another one to San Jose. As good as we claim they are, as much as they have supposedly turned around with Matias Almeida's tenure, I'm sorry to say, in the grand scheme of it all, they are absolutely insignificant to us in terms of a goal differential. So, Philly, are you saying that LAFC is their white whale? 
Ooh. They're White Whale. They're like Sergeant it. Slaughter. They're Macho Man Randy Savage. They're Kryptonite. Whatever you want to call it, we have decimated the Smurf Quakes. Absolutely decimated the Smurf Quakes. All right, you brought up a key word, though, that I want to bring up right now. It was camouflage, right? First of all, Tonight was Military Appreciation Night. And Shout out Panda, 15-year Army vet. Love you, baby. Absolutely. Like we've talked about on several times in this podcast, Amanda has served 15 years for our country in the military. I just want to say again to all of you out there that either have served or are serving right now, thank you for your service. It meant the world to see so many men and women in uniform around the field today. I stopped by almost everyone that I could when I walked by. Thank you for your service. They're always so incredibly gracious. It's such an incredible feeling to look around at Bank of California Stadium and see all of our service men and women. But camouflage. I want everybody that has YouTube TV out there, do me a favor. Go back to the 89th minute. There was a key moment in this game where as soon as I saw it, I thought, this is, this is rough. This game camouflaged a lot of little things that I think when Bob goes back and looks at the tape, we had talked about how this game could have very clearly been 3-2, 4-2, 4-3. They could have put some goals in the back of the net. There was one play in particular. In the 89th minute, a header by San Jose is the exact kind of ball that Zlatan Ibrahimovic would put away in the back of the net. It was a 1v1 ball on what I like to call, I don't know the actual soccer term for it, sorry if somebody does, hit us up on Defenders of the Bank on Facebook and Instagram and at Defend the Bank on Twitter. Who are ya? But it was a post-up kind of a play. The San Jose guy got inside our defender and headed the ball well wide of the goal, but he headed the ball in direction of the goal. This is the exact kind of play in the 89th minute that Zlatan Ibrahimovic Puts in the back of the net. And imagine if it's a 2-2 game going into the 89th minute at Bank of California Stadium on Sunday. Or maybe we're up 2-1. And a goal like that, it is absolutely back-breaking. I feel, yes, we won 4-0. We push our goal differential to 46. We're doing video game things out there on the field. But if you go back and watch some of the little nuances of this game, There were a couple balls where Tyler looked like he was a little out of position and a little hesitant. There were a couple of balls where we already mentioned Jordan Harvey and Tristan Blackman, both standing on our back line, kept a ball from reaching the back of the net. And there was this play in the 89th minute. Please take a look back on YouTube TV because one of the cool things about YouTube TV is you can go back and rewatch the game afterwards. Go check out the 89th minute because I believe this camouflaged some of the bumps and warts that we still have to work out. But like Philly likes to say, not only are we the best in the West, but we are also the best in the MLS. We feast on the East. Today, we bested the heck out of the West for nothing. An incredible game. One last thing, though, Philly, our man of the match. Can we talk about our man of the match for a second here? So apparently the scarf went to Tristan Blackman. And Tristan Blackman played an absolutely fantastic game. But where I viewed the classiest man of the match, That's right. Tristan shared the accolades 
with Josh Perez. Not only did he drape the scarf around Josh's neck, but him and Tristan were there with the megaphone in front of their face doing the sha-la-la-la-la-la-la. And you know what? It was a great moment for Josh Perez. It was a great moment for our club. It was a great moment for this day in LAFC history going forward. It was just a great moment. Josh Perez, a guy who's been hustling his tail off, who hasn't been fortunate enough to make the back of the net occur. He did make it happen today. Congratulations. And you know what? Hats off to Tristan Blackman for having the wherewithal, for being a classy enough player to share his accolades with somebody who absolutely deserved it, somebody who absolutely worked his tail off, somebody who will remember this day for the rest of his life. I love what occurred. Now, with the game in hand, with the score 4-0, let's talk about the stats, and here's how it breaks down. San Jose, believe it or not, managed to have the majority of possession in the game. 53-47, but truthfully... It didn't seem that way. No, I see these numbers, and basically it's a toss-up. It's 50-50. However, an area where they absolutely beat LAFC, not by a lot, but still a significant like eye-popper, was the fact that San Jose had 22 shots. LAFC had 18. Shots that were on target. San Jose had 7. This is where it counts. LAFC had 11. Possession, as we have mentioned many a times before, doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's the shots on target. LAFC had that and had San Jose beat. Going through other statistics, we won in the foul category. We drew in the yellow card category. We were goose-egged collectively on the red card category. Offsides. San Jose had four to LAFC's zero. That's a little bit of a surprising number considering how many guys were throwing forward out there. Indeed. That's why I paused. Yeah, no, I was impressed. No offside calls on LAFC, even though we were throwing that many numbers forward and had 11 shots on goal. That's awfully fun. And you mentioned it, Tyler Miller with the clean sheet. How many saves did Tyler Miller have on the night, Billy? Six. We have got quite an interesting supporter shield race. As we go on to the season, all we've done is keep those W's lining up LAFC still with 85 points possible. Let's remind everybody the record is 71 in a season set just last year by the New Jersey Energy Drinks, the New York Red Bulls. 71 points. LAFC still has 85 points possible with just eight games to play. The only team I'm even going to mention right now when it comes to the Supporter Shield race is the team in second, Philly's former, NYCFC. They are still on pace to be able to achieve 71 points. That's 14 points fewer than LAFC's possibilities. There's starting to be some talk about, ooh, when's the earliest we can clinch the Shield? Well, as long as we keep winning, it doesn't matter what NYCFC does, but we are still an incredible number of points ahead, 14 in the possible points column. We are no longer going to track any other team other than NYCFC and LAFC. It is a 14-point gap in Supporters' Shield with just eight games left to go, and the watch is on. We are now 12 points away. That's four wins, four wins in our last eight games. If we can just go 500, imagine that to having the most points ever scored by a team in the history 
of Major League Soccer since we are in the post-shootout era. How awesome is that? Breaking hearts and setting trends. We currently lead the league with 61 points. The team that we are facing on Sunday is a team that we have an absolute desire and a desperate need to annihilate. The Carson Galaxy, we are 20 points ahead of them. Should we lose to them on Sunday, it will matter not. However, nobody wants to see our team lose. Ever. Nobody wants to see our team lose against these guys. They're coming into the bank with the Carsonian Lion having more than 20 goals in this season, competing against the golden boot leader as of right now, Carlos Vela. Oh, we need this win. It is not so much a game that matters in terms of the standings because at this point, with 26 games played, between first place, second place, and third place, we are 19 points ahead of Minnesota United, who we are going to play in September. We are 20 points ahead of Carson. When it breaks down to the Supporters' Shield, Atlanta United and the Philadelphia Union and New York City Football Club have somewhat of a challenge, but we are decimating everybody at this point. And I'm crossing my fingers. If you believe in voodoo, if you have a witch doctor, whoever your savior is, Tell him, or her, or whoever, put a good note in for us. <laughs> Let us beat Carson on Sunday. Let us end this drought, because I'm so tired of going on a Twitter and reading the toxicity that comes out of the ignoramuses that support this Carson team. Yeah, I've heard it. Since 96. Yeah, I've heard it. Five MLS Cup titles. I challenge all of you still to give me those titles in a row in unison. I bet I could do that quicker than you can. We are going to beat Carson on Sunday. We're going to avenge the bank. We are undefeated. We only have one tie. We're going to continue on this streak. We have spoken enough, Scarf. We have been up and at him for an hour plus minutes right. with our buddy here, Apple Juice. Yeah. We need to wrap this up, dude. I got one quick question for Apple Juice before we wrap sure. this up. Galaxy coming into town ready to play at Bank of California Stadium on Sunday. You've been in the 3252 now when Carson has come to town. How is it different in the 3252 amongst the loudest and best fans in Major League Soccer? How is it different for that Carson game than it is for really any other game this season? Uh, we It really is uh, such an intense rivalry. Uh, we really want to be able to push past this game and not look at Carson anymore. Right. We really want to focus on our own path. Right. We want to show them that they are in our rear view, that they don't matter to us going forward. Look, that would mean the world. You guys have known. I've said it on several podcasts now. We are obviously 0-2-2 and against Carson. I have said by the end of this season, we will be 2-2-2. and It starts on Sunday. Actually, starts on Sunday at our tailgate at 10 a.m., by the way. You should totally come out to the Defenders of the Bank tailgate. Free beer. We'll be out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. At 10 a.m. it starts, but on the pitch, we will beat Carson on Sunday to bring our team record against them to 1-2-2, two, and two. and then when, not if, but when, we face them in the playoffs, we will kick them out of the 2019 version of the MLS Audi Cup playoffs to run our record to an even 2-2-2 two, two, and two on our way to our first ever MLS Cup 
Carlos Vela, the MVP, the Supporters' Shield winner, the Golden Boot winner, the MLS Cup winning LAFC. I will speak it into existence. It will happen. Two, two, and two is what we will call that episode. Philly, apple juice, this has been episode 55, the double nickel. And you guys know how we like to end it again. Thank you to all those veterans out there who fight for our country here on Military Appreciation Night. Thank you guys for listening, and bye-bye.